Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Random Theory Podcast. I'm Grace. And I'm Josh. And together we answer the curious questions that our friends have about the world. And our friends are you. Our listeners. <laughs> the Science Pals. The Science Pals. Yay. <laughs> I just want to say, I was like, this sounds like a kid cartoon or something. Like <laughs> the Backyardigans, but we're the Science yeah. Pals instead. We use um, science to solve problems. That could be a good kids TV show. That is. Yeah. Should we make a kids TV show? I feel like we could. We use a little Pythagorean theorem every now and then. Educate oh, kids shoot. real young. You lost me with the Pythagorean theorem. It's okay. I like the Pythagorean theorem (laughs) personally. I think that one actually is like very helpful to life. The one that I don't like is the quadratic formula. That one can go Mm. kick a bucket. (laughs) Go outside and smell grass or touch grass. That's what it is. (laughs) That one Um, can kick rocks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, that's how Grace feels about math. Um, yeah, I like math, actually. I just don't like when you have to have a formula memorized. I think that's just very old school because nowadays you can just go look everything up. I think you need to know how to use them, but you don't necessarily need to have it memorized. I could literally ask Alexa right now what it is and yeah. she would tell me and break it down. So, yeah, I mean, that. that's the interesting thing. I don't know, obviously, because, I mean, you and I are old, so... <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know what AI they're doing nowadays. Yeah, cuz like when I was in school, my math teacher was like, "You won't always have a calculator, so you need to know how to do." And I'm like, "I right here. I got yeah. a calculator in my pocket 24/7. All the time. Never <laughs> never not have it." 2 times 2? I don't need to know. I'll just ask my calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be bothered with 2 times 2. No way. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, good math tangent right off the top. Yeah. That's how you know it's going to be a good one. We're thriving. <laughs> anyway, do you have any ratings or reviews to read? Do you have one? I've got just a quick comment from uh, Sportsnut81, which I think they have actually, this is not the first one, and this is coming from Spotify, and they just said, love the new format. So oh, thank you so that. much. Yeah, I, I anyone out there, please do keep letting us know if you're liking it, if you're not liking it, what you don't like or what you do like. Let us yeah, know. Yeah, we would love to we're gonna know. Because we're going to keep tweaking it. We, we recently, we cut the opening like hook thing because it just didn't work. If there's like a section you think we need, add yeah. in, let us know. Yeah, yeah. If we're, we're missing here. something. Yeah, if we're missing something, let us know. Speaking of letting us know, I do have some listener curiosity. Okay. It comes from, I am too. It comes from Kayla Graham. They titled the email Science Pal. And it says, hi, I love your guys' videos and the podcast. They put a test tube and two science pals. We appreciate you, Kayla. So it says, here's my knock, knock joke. Ready, Josh? Uh, Yes, I am ready. Knock, knock. Who's there? Razor hands. 
raise your hands who raise your hands like you just don't care <laughs> oh my goodness oh i that was a good one because i honestly had no idea where that was going that was yeah i like that one that was fun oh gosh then uh kayla said i have a podcast request kayla i love this podcast request i think it is amazing Kayla wants to know, why do people get anxiety? Mm. And then Kayla signed it Panda G from Florida, which I'm assuming she's left a rating review on Apple Pods before and gone by Panda G because I remember that that name. Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Panda G from Florida. Panda G, Kayla, thank you so much for writing in. Kayla, I am so excited to answer this question because I myself am so curious about this. This like opened my mind and I can't wait to talk about this with the science pals because I think anxiety is a topic that everyone should discuss and talk about because it reduces its power over you. And we're going to get into that right after this break. Kayla, thank you so much for that rating and review. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. Me too. I feel like this is a very interesting topic. Because I feel like anxiety didn't get a name and I didn't know what anxiety was until I was in about like high school or college. It is a very interesting thing because I feel like just over the last few years, maybe five years, Mm -hmm. it has become more of a talking point, which is great. I mean, yeah, when I was like younger, early teens, even I'm a kid, obviously, like no one talked about anxiety. No, no one talked about it. People talked about like angsty teens, but like angsty teens was just like, I don't know, you were into like angsty teen music, like it was a music genre, like Avril Lavigne. Sure. My Chemical Romance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like so good, but it was never like talked about. Yeah, I think it ha- it was it's it's very much become something that people talk about. So maybe like younger listeners, you might be like, "What are you talking about?" Like everyone's constantly talking about it now, and it's like, "Yeah, now," yeah. which is great. A year a couple years ago, no one talked about it. No, it was not a thing. It was literally yeah. not a thing. Everyone experiences fear and anxiety at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Fear is an immediate response to a specific threatening stimulus. Anxiety, mm. on the other hand, is less intense but more sustained response to anxiety-inducing sources that may be known. So, for example, you may be anxious about the possibility of seeing a snake on a hike through the woods, but you may experience fear if one slithers ahead of you or something on a, on a trail. Okay. So, fear is like the result. Yes. Anxiety is the build-up to the is result. Is the precursor, yes. Yeah. So... I feel like it's always been categorized as the fight or flight response. Mm, Yeah. But anxiety was never really given a name. But I feel like fight or flight is anxiety in a nutshell. Yeah. I would think they do go hand in hand. I experience anxiety constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about this real quick. I didn't didn't ask my usual question off the top, but what's your your experience with uh, anxiety? I experienced anxiety later in life. Mm. I didn't really have it as a kid. I didn't have it as a young adult. I would say I started feeling anxiety probably a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Basically, when I was handed the T-Core channel and was just (laughs) kind of told to like, hey, run the channel. 
because I've always kind of been like a no fear person. Like I've never, mm. I've always just been kind of like, okay, let's do it. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's, I'll try that. Like I'm down. But I feel like anxiety started manifesting for me when I was, it's not even more responsibility, but it, it, it came when there was more unknown in my life. Mm, sure, sure. And for me, my anxiety is like different. So a lot of people like their anxiety manifests as like worry and like they get really nervous about things. For me, anxiety just causes me to shut down completely. Like if I mm. have to film a video, like filming a video used to be so scary. It still is kind of scary for me. But I used to get so much anxiety around it that I would just put off filming the video because I right. just I just couldn't think about it. Or I would put off doing everything that needed to be done because I had so much anxiety around it. So I, I like push it away, which makes my anxiety worse because then I like have to do it later on. And now there's like, I have to do it. It's like less but, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for me, like my anxiety manifests in like, I just want to lay on the couch and sleep through it and pretend it's not existing right. and happening. What about you? I think I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I don't really have too much of a recollection of like growing up being too anxious. I mean, I'm sure there was some that, you know, maybe it, it just, I just didn't classify it as that or, or I wasn't aware yeah. of really what was going on. I, I definitely think that I'm like more blessed than some people that like, I don't think I have as much anxiety as some people. There are definitely things that I, you know, I, I get anxious about. And like you said, like I, I, I've also been like, I've had that thing where whatever life is so, I'm so anxious about all these things mm -hmm. that I just kind of shut down and like don't do any of it. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had those moments. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if it's, I don't really think it's like worry or fear about something. I don't know. So like looking back, like, cause I'm with you. Cause like looking back, mm. I would always tell myself I was nervous, like in school when I was in high school or whatever, I would always say I was nervous, quote unquote, I'm putting quotations around the word nervous to take a test, but I really did have test anxiety, but I didn't have the word to yeah. describe it. I was just always nervous about it, but I had testing yeah. anxiety. Yeah, I do think that's probably a lot of it. I think it is like, I just didn't have the understanding of what it is, what what yeah. it might actually be. And yeah. now like maybe in the last three or four years, I'm like, oh yeah, this is anxiety. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling anxiety in this moment. Yeah. Which is an interesting shift, but a very important shift because I think that's part of understanding what's going on with yourself. Completely agree. And like you said at the top of the podcast, you know, if you talk about it, if you can understand it, it has less of, less control over you. Yeah. Um, hopefully. At least that's how it is for me. Like once I understand something, yeah. I'm just kind of like, cool. I know what this yeah. is. Like I can like understand yeah. like, oh, what's happening in my brain? Oh, what's happening around me? Why am I feeling this way? And it's like once you call it out, your body can kind of regulate itself and be like, okay, this is happening. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm the same way. You can relax. I'm the same way. Yeah. Like if I, and I don't really ever, ha I haven't ever had like a moment where it's just like so overwhelmed with whatever anxiety, if it's like an anxious feeling or something, mm -hmm. but I mean, yeah, the second that I can like call it out and be like, okay, I know this is happening. I know why it's yeah. happening. Then it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have that power. It doesn't have that like, mm, I don't know, like mysterious control or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, no I, I know what's you. going on. I know why it's going on. And you can kind of deconstruct it, I guess. No, for sure. I think it's super legit. Like when you can do that and understand yeah. it. So 
if you don't already know, we're going to, well, we're going to give you a science so you can have some power over it and understand what's happening in your brain. And you know, this isn't for everyone. So if mm-hmm. this is a triggering podcast for you talking about anxiety, we completely understand. Yeah. But also like just know we're not going to talk about things that are going to give you anxiety. We're just going to call out the things that scientifically are happening in your brain that cause anxiety and these these feelings so anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension worried thoughts and physical changes like increased blood pressure so people with anxiety disorders usually have reoccurring intrusive thoughts or concerns and they may avoid certain situations out of worry they may also have physical symptoms such as sweating trembling dizziness or a rapid heartbeat and anxiety like we talked about earlier is not the same as fear but they're often used interchangeably. Anxiety is considered a future-oriented, long-acting response that's broadly focused on a threat that you're scared that you're going to experience. Whereas Mm -hmm. fear is an appropriate, present-oriented, short-lived response to a clearly identifiable and specific threat. One is now, the other is before something yeah potentially. anxiety is yeah. when you're like worrying about going into a haunted house like you're so scared about going into the haunted house like you're scared something's Ugh. gonna jump out at you you fear something being there um and jumping out at you and then the fear it's almost like you're putting yourself through it twice when you have anxiety about a situation that's true because the fear would be like actually being in the haunted house and, and the thing jumps being out scared. at you yeah yeah halloween just ended are you a haunted house person absolutely <laughs> not Right on. Right that gave on. me anxiety, like even talking about it. <laughs> Dude, me too. I, I hate, hate. There is almost. I, I. There's almost nothing more that I hate in this world. I than, agree. Than yeah, those. I'm with you. That's like, ugh. That's not it. Okay, so there's several types of anxiety disorders. So there's generalized anxiety disorders, panic disorders, phobia related disorders, uh, like social anxiety disorder. And each Mm. type has unique symptoms and generalized anxiety disorder or GAD is the most common and will often involve persistent worrying regarding nonspecific life events and situations, which like I think everyone has some kind of anxiety disorder the older you get. But anxiety is the most common mental health condition seen in our society. Yeah, I think I would reckon that almost everyone at some point in their life will experience a little form of like at least generalized anxiety disorder. So I might say something that (laughs) is a little controversial. I think a little bit of anxiety is good for you. I'm not talking about the people that live every day in anxiety, but Mm -hmm. like for, for those individuals, like I sincerely feel for you. Like I, I do because I can't imagine what that is like but i do not think anxiety has become this kind of like like a hot topic trendy a trendy uh, like yeah yeah i know what you mean like it's it's definitely become like a hot thing to talk about and yeah it's a hot topic and i think like as a society as a whole we lean a little too much on anxiety you know we were talking at the beginning that obviously a lot of people talk about it now which is good but I do agree with you that maybe some people talk a little too much and maybe... Not everyone needs to be medicated for anxiety. Sometimes you just need to have some coping mechanisms to get you through the moment. That's my personal hot take. 
I just think as a as in general, I think we are over medicating society. Mm. That is my like personal thought. Some people truly do need medication and treatment. I one thousand percent stand with you on that. But I don't think everyone does. Some people I just think we need to kind of like put on our big girl and boy pants and let it be. Sorry. I know that may be controversial. I know it might (laughs) really upset some people. But like I truly just feel that way. Like, yes, do you have anxiety? Yes, did I have testing anxiety? I did. But I got through it using coping mechanisms and I still was able to like do my thing. Did it suck? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. But like sometimes you just got to suck it up. Sorry, that's my soapbox for the day. No, no, I like it's good. And and I think I agree with you because I but I think it it goes it's both ways where I think simultaneously maybe more people than should are being medicated for yeah. something. Yeah. But then also simultaneously people that probably should be medicated are not being medicated. Like I think, yes, you know, right now we've got a real mental health crisis going on in in especially the US um that I do think there's a lot of people that probably should have the help that are not mm-hmm. getting it but I do totally agree with you that I do think there are some people out there that are very quick to just throw you know whatever it may be some type of medication yep. at a problem that maybe they could potentially just work through yeah. themselves or maybe with the help of like a therapy you know going to therapy or something thousand percent the, the, and would, they the, give you that coping would, mechanisms yeah like that would probably benefit them more in the future than just taking a pill to make the problem go away yeah um so on that yes i do you gotta i do actually the work. agree you gotta do the work always sometimes always and you'll and you'll generally benefit more from that work uh yep. if you can like i like you said like Absolutely. There, there are people out there that if if you can take some medication and it helps, fantastic. That is so thousand great. Percent. Thousand percent. But those are people with a true anxiety disorder. And I honestly, genuinely feel bad for those individuals that have true anxiety disorders because I feel like they're getting shoved under a mat and categorized with all these other people that don't have an anxiety disorder. They're just functioning mm. in everyday life. And not getting the attention that they need. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? I think it makes sense. I think I know. I know. I'm not trying to be insensitive to like anyone out there. Like, I'm truly sorry if I upset you by saying that. But like, (laughs) but people with true anxiety disorders need the attention. Some people like you and I, where it's like, yes, we've experienced anxiety in our life, but we aren't experiencing it like they are experiencing it. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, I think that's a good example of like, you and I, you know, me personally, I'll, I'll speak for me, but I think we're similar of like, yeah, I have had anxiety. I have had it really badly at some points, you know, recently, whatever, years ago, mm-hmm. anything. But I, I'm working through it. I've worked through it and I'm not yeah. about to get a prescription for some medication to help. Yeah. I don't think I fall into the category of someone that should probably be on a medication for anxiety. Luckily, I'm very grateful for that. If I did, if I was, then absolutely, like I said, a medication, if that can help, great. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think I fall in that. And I, I think there are a lot of people who have a little bit of anxiety, you know, come and go, whatever, here and there, uh, yeah. big moment, something stressful in their life. They hit some some anxiety and they throw a medication at it to make the problem go away. 
Sometimes you just got to feel the problem. Well, yeah. I mean, that's... Sometimes uh, it's good sure, for you. Yeah. <laughs> you. I mean, well, and, and working through it. If you can, yeah. again, like if you can... If you can. If you, working through it will always benefit you more. If you can, obviously. Yeah. Like, like we said, there are absolutely people out there that need that medication, and I'm so glad that it exists. I am too, yes. Back to talking about anxiety. It shouldn't... I mean, we have been, but... It shouldn't come as a surprise <laughs> that your brain is literally the source of your anxiety. We've said it once. We've said it a million times on the podcast. Your brain is wild. The human brain well, you are is brain. insane. You are brain and yeah. the brain is insane. So not only does the anxiety manifest itself in thoughts, it also affects your brain's chemistry in ways that can alter future thoughts and affect the way your whole entire body operates, which is insane. Yeah, I think that's what is the most insane thing and probably the most misunderstood things about anxiety that I do think you have a lot of these people that maybe are being they're, they're, they're insensitive to people with anxiety that they're like, oh, what you're just having some bad thoughts or whatever. But yeah. it's like, no, it can it can literally like change your body and like affect yep. what your body's doing physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's way different than just having some thoughts. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree with you on that. So symptoms of anxiety disorders are thought to be a disruption of the emotional processing center in the brain rather than the higher cognitive centers. So the brain's limbic system, which is comprised of the hippocampus, the amygdala, the hypothalamus, and the thalamus, are responsible for the majority of emotional processing. So individuals with an anxiety disorder may have a heightened activity in these areas. Mm. So they're just turned up to 10. Exactly. And I think this is what's really interesting is that anxiety is the result of constant chatter between a number of different brain regions at once. It's basically called a fear network. Oh, interesting. So okay. no one's brain region drives anxiety on its own. Instead, it's the interaction among many brain areas that are all important in how we experience anxiety. So you know how we talked about like deja vu and how it's basically the brain backfiring? Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel anxiety is. It does kind of sound like, like it sounds like the brain, it's like overactive. Yeah, it's like the emotional center of the brain, like the hippocampus, amygdala, hypothalamus, and thalamus are all just in overdrive and can't regulate the emotion. So they spit out anxiety because everything is just yeah. like overwired, overreacting, overstimulated. Yeah, yeah. So the brain is just like, ah, anxiety because we can't place an emotion <laughs> on it. All those areas of the brain are just in overdrive, yeah, firing at all times when they probably shouldn't be, and you get anxiety. That's how you get it. Isn't it? I think that's just like so crazy, though, for me, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. when I was doing this research, I was also just like very interested because I've never actually asked like, how does anxiety affect the brain? Like, where does it come from? Mm -hmm. Obviously, knew it came from the brain, but. I didn't know like what it was actually doing. And knowing that it's kind of like this limbic system, mm -hmm. I feel like next time I have some anxiety, I can just be like, ah, my limbic system's overreacting. <laughs> it doesn't know how to feel right now. And like that gives me a little bit of power over my anxiety being like, ah, my limbic system and my brain is freaking out. <laughs> Yeah, we li <laughs> we've we've said this a million times, but it's just uh, it is still so funny to think about like 
you know, if you're there and you're, you have some anxiety and you're like, oh, my, the limbic system in my brain, that is your brain thinking about itself and its limbic. Like it's, I don't yeah, know, it's your, like, bra- your brain is you and it's It funny. is. But I think it's so crazy because you think about the limbic system and you're just kind of like, okay, these parts of my brain are overreacting because it's scared that I'm going to put myself in a bad situation. That's literally all your brain is concerned about is keeping you alive. Yeah, I had that thought of like, because I feel like, we, we, you know, we were talking about deja vu and that it's kind of like a misfiring of the brain yeah. and, and likened it to anxiety. But I, I feel like anxiety is not necessarily an error of the brain. It's overstimulated. Like it, but it, but it does serve. Like I think evolutionarily, it does serve a purpose. I think yeah. when it becomes very intense, that that's when it's maybe a bit of an error of the mm-hmm. brain. But, but yeah, I mean, it does serve a purpose in that, like the brain is thinking, hey, this might not be a good situation. Uh, you might want to get out of here because you're gonna die or yeah. something. So it's um, so interesting you say that. So they say one potential explanation for how mm-hmm. this all works is the brain splits into two parts so you have your cognitive brain and your emotional brain so the frontal lobe is where all our sensations and thoughts come together as one unified experience so this is your cognitive brain in the front of your head the amygdala is located really deep in the brain and it's a part of your emotional brain so according to this theory we only feel anxiety when signals from the emotional brain overpower the cognitive brain And that pushes into our consciousness. Mm, Okay. So if you can rationalize, for example, the snake thing, snakes are rare in the woods when you're hiking. So using your cognitive brain, the cognitive brain network overtakes and tames the emotional fear network. Okay. So, I mean, that right there is what you were talking about. about coping mechanism. Yeah. If you can explain anxiety and understand what's going on then that is just, yeah, that's your cognitive brain basically battling back and taking control yeah. it can, of like, it. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to see a snake in the woods. What if I see a snake on this hike? Oh my gosh, like I'm so scared if I see a snake. And then if you come back to yourself and you rationalize it and you're like, actually, wait, snakes yeah. are actually kind of rare to see. Like they don't want to be slithering about. They're going to be hidden. Yeah. Like they're going to be chilling somewhere else. They're not going to want to see me as much as I don't want to see them. All of a sudden it's yeah. like, okay, I'm good. I'm fine. But the emotions, like emotions are so intense and so aggressive that like sometimes the cognitive brain like this is talking about, it has to take a backseat. And that to me is so fascinating. The amygdala is so tiny, but it is so powerful that it can basically completely rewire your whole brain, send your heart pitter-pattering, make your hands clammy, like just completely overpower you. That is like so fascinating. First off, amygdala, that's a great word. Amygdala. It is. What a great word. What a great word. Uh, Also, I was just thinking since we just recorded it in the previous episode about sharks, we talked about how they um, basically turn off part of half of their brain. Yeah. And we made the comment of like, how weird would that be if humans (laughs) could do that? This is kind of that, right? Like It is. Yeah. It's part of your brain overpowering the other and kind of shutting off one and then having to battle back and forth that's so Um, true yeah that is just fascinating it's so crazy 
back to this like region of the frontal lobe. Um, there's this okay. place called the dorsal anterior cingulate cortex, the DACC. Okay. Basically, this amplifies fearful signals coming from the amygdala. So when anxious patients are shown pictures of fearful faces, the DACC and amygdala with other brain regions uh-huh. ramp up their chatter producing palpable anxiety so people without anxiety show little to no response but people that do have anxiety get really ramped up okay interesting so the amygdala is creating the signals yes but the dorsal anterior cigulate cortex <laughs> what a amplifies name. it i know right yeah amplifies it turns it up to 11 yeah Okay. Basically shutting down your cognitive function in the frontal lobe. Yeah, okay. So then on the other hand, a different part of the frontal lobe called the ventromedial prefrontal cortex seems to dampen the signals coming from the amygdala. So patients Mm. with damage to this brain region are more likely to experience anxiety since there's literally no breaks on the amygdala. Okay. Interesting. Yes. So if so, somebody had like chron- very heavy chronic anxiety, it like, could be damaged like to that. Like real anxiety. Like real anxiety. Yeah, like, yes. Yeah. A serious, serious disorder. Yeah. It could be damaged to that area of the brain. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. And this acts as like the awareness. So like when the DACC kicks in. Yeah. This is supposed to be come in in the prefrontal cortex. The ventromedial prefrontal cortex is supposed mm-hmm. to be like, no, 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 hold on. It's not as bad as you think. We're good. Okay. But if you don't have this, then the amygdala can just run wild. So these are basically the two things battling it out yes. back and forth. The yep. amygdala is just like chilling, making all the emotions. <laughs> The amygdala is running around and they're like, what's happening? I don't like this. This snake's going to come get us. Yeah, this is, a da, 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 it, da, is da, da. it is creating all the terrible imagery in your head and giving you all the fear. Listen, we all know an amygdala in our life. Um, yes, we do. And, <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, the PFC and the DACC are, are the two things trying to regulate the emotion that's interesting okay it's so fascinating so using functional magnetic resonance imaging or an fmri uh Mm. if you know what an mri is it's basically where you can see inside the body but this is functional and mri so you're not laying there you're like functioning like doing stuff scientists have shown that these brain regions do become active when people experience anxiety But the Mm. details of how these regions work together is still not settled. So scientists are working worldwide to chip away at the mystery behind anxiety and anxiety disorders because they're really not sure. And to be honest with you, I think anxiety is different person to person. I don't think that like an anxiety disorder is a one size fits all because no brain is a one size fits all. Yeah, I think that's the hard thing. I mean, literally every single podcast that we have done, every single episode that involves the brain, I think at this point it's a joke that we're like always at the end of it. They're like, but they don't really know. And 
but I think that's the that's the problem is that yeah every every human every brain and the way that it functions is slightly different. So it's not like one size fits all solution or even just explanation. Not even like not even looking mm-hmm. for a solution, but just an explanation of like why is this happening? I ho- I hope these scientists researchers have success because I mean like we talked about at the beginning, anxiety is a large um issue facing a lot of people it is and so yeah the more we can understand it the more treatment that there can be for people that really need it i think also complex the brain is very complex and the other thing i didn't even get into with this which i could because i find it so fascinating is the hormones that go into this and the neurotransmitters Mm. and how the brain fires and everything else like i'm just we're just talking about the fear center of the brain like the things that are interacting together to hopefully give you guys a little bit of power over your anxiety and to answer the question of where does it come from because it comes from the amygdala but the limbic system with all the other systems involved makes it really hard to understand but if we can be a little voice for you all and be like, hey, if you're feeling anxiety, just call out your Olympic system and your fear center and just be like, ah, my amygdala, my hippocampus, my blah, blah, blah is acting up a little bit. Like I'm going to use cognitive reasoning because I'm feeling this way. Like I'm going to help myself understand that the situation is fine and I'm good. I think that's all that matters. Like that's what we're here for is like to give you just a little bit of information Because, I mean, we could do a three-hour-long podcast on anxiety and what they know about it in the brain and how it acts and the hormones and everything else in your body that it affects. But, I mean, we don't have that kind of time. But if you are curious and you want more information on this, we will have a link in our show notes to a website and an article and things that have been verified by doctors and have more information on anxiety in the brain so that you guys can understand it further. So that will be in our show notes, but it is the Calm Clinic and they have a whole thing about anxiety and anxiety in the brain and how it reacts with the body as well. I feel like it's a common thing that we always mention on this podcast, not about not about anxiety, but just about like being curious and and having that cognitive thinking. Yeah. When it's, you know, talking about like research and whatever, getting your mm-hmm. information, just think think cognitively, think critically about things. If if you're someone that struggles with anxiety, yeah, if you can try and fight back and yeah, think, get that cognitive brain thinking, think critically about the situation you're in. Like, like the example you gave about the snake in the woods. If you're in the woods hiking and you're scared of running into a snake, but you can just for a second think, you know, whatever, uh, there's not going to be a snake here. They're not, you know, yeah. it's winter or yeah. there's no snakes in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, that that goes a long way. So, yeah, I think m- more so than ever, that cognitive thinking, that critical thinking is oh so very important. So important. It's insanely important. Dude, that was great. That was fascinating. It's it's just so funny the, how the brain works. Honestly, yeah, it is so funny and just <laughs> ridiculous how what this gooey uh, blob in our head can do. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the fact that it is us, it yeah. is us. And if you like, you're someone experiencing anxiety. I just want to echo this. There is no shame 
and going to a therapist that specializes mm. in anxiety and learning coping mechanisms. Like yeah. I had to do that in college. I knew I did not want to be medicated because I was like my call. Like I don't I don't need that for me because I don't have severe anxiety. I just need some coping mechanisms to understand how I'm feeling in yeah. the moment and what I can do. And for me, it was cognitive thinking, like acknowledging like, hey, I'm feeling this way, but blah, 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 blah. Like using yeah. logic and understanding. And also another thing that was really helpful for me was taking myself out of situations. Like before I started a test, I would sit there with the test in front of me and take like five really deep breaths and relax mm. and remind myself like, hey, I'm good. Hey, I'm okay. Like we studied, we know this information. Don't get wound up, just relax. And like the other thing that I started yeah. doing was exercising. Exercising helped me so much. Like it allows you to regulate your body. I don't fully understand how and why it works, <laughs> but I highly recommend it. Whether it's going outside and going for a walk for 15 to 20 minutes, whether it's running on the treadmill, whether it's going to a workout class, just something to just like be there for yourself and to be present in your body. Like those were the things that helped me significantly. I think I have an idea of why that works because, and I can tell you what my thing is. What? If I'm ever feeling stressed or anxious... I will sit down and just play the guitar. Ooh, yeah. And not anything specific, just mindlessly sit and play. Mm -hmm. And the the reason that it works for me, and I think this might be in the same vein of why exercise works. I think exercise also, there's a lot of like chemicals released in your body as well that help. Yeah. But, but specifically similar to pl for me sitting down playing the guitar is because I can take it, it takes over my mind. I can just yeah. fully focus on playing whatever song this is and I'm not thinking about anything else and that's that's it. I love that. Um, and I think I, I, I would assume, yeah, with exercise, it's kind of the same thing. You can just kind of like let yourself go and be focused on that in the yeah. moment. Thousand percent. I just I just sit and, and play the guitar for an hour or whatever and that helps. No, I'm totally about that. And and it's different for everyone. Like our strategies sure, yeah. might not work for you, which is why, you know, it's not a one size fits all. That's why medication can't be a one size fits all either. Like, yeah, yeah. You got to find that thing, whatever works for you. And then it may stop working for you. Like working That's out true. stopped working for me. So I had to go find a different coping mechanism and that yeah. turned into journaling. When I feel a little anxious, I just oh, go nice. right. Just go right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to yeah. be anything long. It can literally be a couple bullet points of things that are stressing me out, but I leave it in the book. And then that's interesting. I walk and like can do whatever. So like you yeah. just have to remember like it's going to manifest itself in different ways and you just have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. It's really interesting because your brain becomes used to things. Yeah, your body that's becomes true. used to things. You have to have different outlets, different coping mechanisms. Your brain is constantly at a war with itself. Constantly. <laughs> constantly. It's oh, so wild. The brain. The brain. It the is... more I think about it, the harder it makes my head hurt. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Should we move on to what I learned on Reddit this week? Yeah, what did you learn on Reddit this week? I need something different. For anyone that clicked in for uh, anxiety, 
this is going to be a total 180 here because um, it has nothing to do with anxiety or anything here's our, like that. Here's your dopamine for the day. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's again, like the things that I'm pulling from Reddit are totally just like when I read it, it just hits me. I'm like, what? What? I love it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a scenario and I want to hear what your answer would be. I love when you give me scenarios. I'm ready. What? <laughs> Last week it was a snail, right? A snail with a million yeah, last, dollars. Yeah, last week, last last week it was the world famous snail scenario. Yeah. What would you think would be used as a treatment for ingesting antifreeze? I so I swallowed antifreeze. You swall you. I, for some reason, you took a big <laughs> swig of antifreeze. Please don't do this. Just I'm putting don't, that out there. No one. Don't do no this. No one. It's really do bad. This. I will literally come personally and punch you in the face. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. Like, yeah, just don't. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what antifreeze is made of. Well, I can give you so specifically the the issue with I antifreeze. Call 911. Well, yes, that should probably <laughs> be the first. I would if you're a parent out there or a kid and this happens, anyone really. Uh, call 911, call poison control. They will yeah. tell you what to do. But the problem with antifreeze specifically is the ethylene glycol in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's specifically what your liver does to the ethylene glycol. What does it do? Um, I'm intrigued now. I don't know what I would do. I would I would call 911 and ask them what to do. Okay, yeah, there was no way you were ever going to guess this cuz there's I wouldn't have even when I I saw this I was like, "Excuse me, that's how you people are treating." <laughs> Apparently, uh vodka is used to treat antifreeze, oh, ingesting antifreeze. Interesting. So I, I dug a little deeper on it and was like, okay, how and yeah, why? I never would have guessed that. I was thinking some kind of powder. Basically, like I said, it's the ethylene glycol when it mm-hmm. hits your liver and is being broken down by the liver. The enzymes in the liver basically create a toxic chemical when it reacts with the ethylene glycol and okay. that is what will kill you. Weird. Like if you some for some reason didn't have a liver, I mean you'd be dead anyway. But just yeah. in a hypothetical situation, if you drank a thing of uh, antifreeze and it didn't hit a liver, you would be fine, I guess. Um, it might Weird. make you sick, but but it wouldn't kill you. But that so that is what is killing you. So if you consume alcohol, which contains ethanol, that's the mm-hmm. king. That's that's what alcohol is. Basically, what what's happening is you are flooding your system with ethanol, which gets broken down in the liver, and that can block the liver from breaking down the antifreeze, the ethylene glycol of the antifreeze, and then it will just get passed on, processed with your kidneys, and you'll be fine. What the heck? So the the ethanol from the alcohol basically acts as like a shield to the antifreeze to prevent your liver from breaking it down. Holy crap. And then it just gets passed through your body. That is insane. And the only reason they use vodka specifically, like you could use any sort of alcohol, anything with ethanol. Well, vodka's like it's just, straight. It's just, yeah, it's just like cheap, you know, like available and it like, yeah, I mean, it just like works. But yeah, wow. that is <laughs> that is apparently a way that people could treat 
uh, consuming antifreeze. That's insane. <laughs> Again, right? not, not, don't go drink any of that, please. No, but like, please don't. That's so interesting. That's such like a good hack. If like and that also, ever well, happened, like if a kid got into <laughs> it or something, like I don't even know. Let me just put this out there. If you do consume antifreeze, first call poison control. Call nine one one. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't go to bust out the vodka and start drinking it. Like let let don't listen. We're we're monkeys in trench coats and I'm, yeah. So just like you know, make sure you're getting the information from a very official source. Um. I mean, but, you did research it though, right? I did. I mean, I, yeah, I looked it up, and and it is like this. It this is a thing. That's so crazy. The proper, I would say the proper uh, way to handle it would be definitely contact poison control. Jeez, that is insane. I never in a million years would have guessed that. That's wild. Right? Yeah, that was, I mean, that. like I said, it was just another one of those headlines that caught my eye of like, what? That's insane. Yeah. Anxiety, <laughs> yeah. antifreeze, vodka. Jeez. All of them. The all whole mix. It. You got all of it yeah. here. It's insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's what I learned on Reddit this week. That's wild. Go. Also, antifreeze is obviously very uh, toxic to animals. Very. If you are ever changing your antifreeze or adding, you know, topping off in your car, some of it happens to spill in like a garage, make sure to clean that up immediately because, yeah, if you have like cat or a dog or something, it is very sweet. Antifreeze is very sweet. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're drawn to it and they'll try and eat it and it is very toxic. That's There's so your other little weird. tidbit. I learned something new today too. Dude, that's what we're that's what we're out here to do. Well, science pals, we love learning with you guys. Let us know if you have any other things that you want to learn. Leave us a rating and review or an email at randomtheorypod at gmail.com. And we will see you next week with some more random science. Bye. Bye, science pals. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com.